Welcome to the Self-Publishing Queen podcast. My name is Josiane Fortin and I'm a self-published author. I'm obsessed with helping and motivating writers to publish their books and share their gift with the world. My goal with this podcast is to inspire you to take action and be the writer you want to be. Let's go! Hello writers, I'm Josiane Fortin and today I'm really happy to be interviewing Suzanne Brown. So Suzanne is the self-published author of two books, Mom Powerment Insights from Successful Professional Part-Time Working Moms Who Balance Career and Family. And the second book is The Mom Powerment Guide to Work-Life Balance Insights from Working Moms on Balancing Career and Family. So thank you so much for being with us today. And please start us uh, start by telling us a little bit about you. Well, thank you so much for having me, Josiane. I'm so excited to be here and talking to fellow um, authors and authors to be. Um, so I was um, I, I'm kind of like a reluctant writer. I, I didn't realize that was a skill set <laughs> that I truly had. Um, and I definitely didn't know I was going to be writing a book. Um, so originally the whole idea behind the first mom empowerment book was that our older son was born 10 weeks premature. And so I went to my then um, manager, I was working at a large company, and I went to um, the head of finance because I was in a financial role at the time. And I negotiated a part-time role. So I negotiated cutting my time in half. And I got a lot of questions from just, I was, I was surprised by the number of questions that I got. And so I answered the questions. I had the conversations. I was like, okay, this is surprising. About a year later, I became 100% entrepreneur. The questions did not stop. And so I said, well, I've got to be able to send people somewhere because there's too many questions here. This is taking up my time. And I couldn't find a resource. And so I said, well, I'll start. I'll create a resource because, I mean, how hard can that be? It's always harder than you think it's going to be. <laughs> And, um, and I was, you know, I was an entrepreneur. So I thought, okay, well, really, I mean, how, how hard is this? Always harder. And that's one thing to keep in mind. And as I started doing a few interviews, because I said, I don't want this to be a resource that only has my voice, because I don't want people to pick up the book and say, well, if I was um, an entrepreneur in, you know, in this kind of environment, doing this kind of work, I'd be able to do this too. I wanted a lot of different voices, but I still didn't know what I was creating. And as I had these interviews, several of the working mothers who I interviewed said, yeah, I really wish that I had had a book when I was a young mother. And I thought, that's what I'm doing. I'm writing a book. And so that was essentially how the first book was born. And as you mentioned, I have a second book. Um, and that was born because after I published the first book, I had so many working mothers come to me and say, hey, I'm really glad that you wrote this first book. This is great. You know, go you. When are you going to write the book for me? Because I don't work part time and I never want to. And I'm like, it's, it doesn't matter. There's lots of ideas and tips. Yeah. But here's the thing. The title says part time. So I'm never going to read this book. So when will you write the book for me? Mm -hmm. And I, I heard that enough times to where I said, okay, I'm writing a second book. 
<laughs> and, you know, and, and so really I was trying to address a market need, which e with each of the books. And I think that is part of what really has made them successful and has given people kind of the drive. It's because I am meeting a, a need in the marketplace. Yeah. So you're an, an entrepreneur. So did the book tie into whatever you were trying to achieve with your business or was it like something different? You know, it, it was totally different. I have since built a business around the whole mom empowerment concept and, and the books that I've written. And so I now do a lot of public speaking. Um, the irony in all of this is that the first thing I did as mom empowerment was a TED talk. So even before I had written my first word, I did a TED talk. And I was very honest and open with, um, with the executive director of that TED talk um, saying, just so we understand each other, I have not written a word. Like I've completed my research, but not a word is on paper for this book. And she said, you know what, that's fine but you have the concepts, you've got the ideas, you've done the research. And so I had all of this stuff. I just hadn't started writing yet. Um, and so you, you know, I think so many times we're asked to write the things that we know really well, right? And the things that people come to you for, but sometimes there is an opportunity to create something new in your business or in your life. So you don't have to have done this for, 20 years in order to, to write on it. Yeah. So, so it was exciting. Yeah. And then doing the Ted talk, I'm just guessing that it was a way for you to structure everything that you had discovered in your research. You know, so I looked at the Ted talk differently than a lot of people do. So oftentimes a Ted talk is about a topic that you know a lot about and you are you're kind of almost like summarizing everything that you know. So I did it a little bit differently. And I basically introduced the concept of why should we care about this topic right now? And then my book said, okay, now that you care and you're paying attention, how can you do it successfully? And so it was kind of like a one-two punch. And so if you do, if you do choose to do something like a TED Talk or any kind of of um, piece outside of the book, I think you have to think strategically about how do they all work together? You know, because now a lot of times when I do my public speaking and my training, it is an introduction to the concepts in the book, but I don't give you everything that's in the book. I mean, normally I'm only talking for like 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour. I can't give you all of the concepts. And so even some of the examples that I use aren't the same in, in both places, right? So that you don't think, oh, I've already, I already know all of that. Like I already went to her, you know, her training or her keynote or whatever. I don't have to, to, to read the book. And it's like, no, 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 that gave you enough ideas so that you're thinking, I gotta go get my copy of the book. Yeah. So. Um, How did you get? Yeah. yeah sorry. I, I, I think that sometimes as authors, we forget about kind of piecing things together like a puzzle right? Like you, you keep sharing the same information and sometimes you have to think about it as you kind of build things together. Yeah. And how did you get that TED talk? How were you, like, did you email them? Like, how does that work? So there's a whole 
there, there's a whole process behind most TED Talks. I will say I didn't go through that process. Um, someone who I knew shared my idea. Um, she had been the previous executive director of that um, TED Talk location. And so I went to her asking for her input on what makes for a good um, speech, what makes for good training. And she passed it on, even though I didn't know that's what she was doing. And then I got a phone call um, the next day or an email the next day saying, hey, do you want to be one of our talks for this particular, um, for topics related to women? So my talk was part of the um, TEDx SMU, which is a university in Dallas, Texas, TEDx SMU women's event. And so it, it's all concepts related to women. Um, and so mine tucked nicely into that, um, into that uh, group of talks. Um, but there is generally a whole process that goes behind TED Talks where you do have to apply or somebody has to, um, has to suggest your, your talk or your topic or you as a speaker. Um, and then they whittle through that and they decide who it is. And, and normally there's multiple rounds, right? And so you have to have a very, um, a very uh, succinct way of describing what it is that you want to be able to talk about and something that piques enough interest so that people are like, oh, I want to hear what that is. Yeah. Um, but there are TED Talks, honestly, all over the the world that we now have access to because now you don't physically have to go. When I when I did mine, I had to be in person, right? But now you can apply and you can be on these TED Talks all over the world. So part of it, I think, is finding the one that that really kind of speaks to your area of expertise, right? Because they all have some element of a theme. So if you can nicely tuck under the theme, um, then you uh, then you have a greater chance of being selected. Right. Okay, makes sense. And how long did it take you to write your first book? So the writing itself, so not the research and everything else, but the writing itself took me about six months. Okay. So the way that I um, that I approach my approached and and for that matter still do, is that I I want to write about a thousand words a day and that takes me about an hour and so um i did a lot of writing and i did a lot after i finished all the writing then i did the self critiquing and the you know all of the the part that you normally you know you have to do a certain element of editing before you hand off to an editor but i did all of that at the end you know i i wanted actual writing time yeah to write the book, right? Because you can spend forever just self-editing. And from <laughs> just those- over and over. Yes, <laughs> yes. and at, at some point you're just like moving commas and it's not adding a lot of value to yeah. the reader and what we want is to provide value. And I'm wondering like, what would be, it's going to be a hard question. What would be your favorite piece of advice that you share in those two books for moms? You know, I think that the thing that has gotten the most traction is the whole concept behind releasing the mental load. Because especially as women um, and, and as moms, so the added layer of motherhood, we are really good at like holding on to all the stuff 
that goes behind the tasks and the duties that we have. And just giving yourself the permission and then, and, and for me as an author, being able to give you some of the ways to think about releasing the mental load has been a real aha for a lot of people. And even before it was in the book, it was a huge aha thing for me. Yeah. Like when I had that interview um, with a mom with my second book, she didn't appear in the first. And she talked about the mental load. Like I realized that I had not applied these, this idea in my own life. And so I quickly remedied that. <laughs> um, but then I definitely had to include it in the book. You know, like, like when I have an aha moment and, and I learned a little bit from every interview, but having that huge aha moment really made a difference. And so I have heard time and time again, how it has made a difference in other, in, in especially women's lives who, um, and, and mother's lives who read the book. So, um, so I think that one is my favorite. Well, a follow-up question on that. Where do you release it to? Like, do you share it with your partner? Do you just let it go completely and just like be, okay, that's a waste of time. I'm just waiting, wasting my brain power on this. Like, is there like a layer of categories of where you put things? Like, how do you manage that? So it really kind of depends on what it is, right? Because some of it could be sharing it with your partner. Um, and in my case, that's what I needed to do because um, my aha moment was about cooking. So, um, and cooking is one of those areas that working mothers especially spend a ton of time, like on the feeding your family, right? Um, and so it was sharing it with a partner and realizing that he could totally handle it. It's not like, oh, I've got this special skill set that, no, I mean, literally, he just needed to, he needed for me to release it because he was not about to come to me and say, hey, you think, I think I can take on more of that. Why don't you give me more? He's yeah. like, nope, you get to tell me when you've had enough. Um, and then I think sometimes it could be that you delegate to, um, to someone on your team. If you are in an environment where you work with a team, maybe it is that you outsource it to someone not on your team or not in your household. So I think it kind of depends. But the thing to remember is everything that we do has another layer behind it, right? And so if you're a manager, it could be that you need to check in sometimes on, on your more junior teammate and say, hey, you know, how's that going or provide input. But the really important thing to remember when it comes to mental load is you either have to release it and be very comfortable with what it looks like, so it might not look the way that you did it, or you have to be really, really specific in how you ask for it to be done. And the important thing there is you cannot be specific in every single thing in your life, right? Like we don't have enough time. We don't have enough energy. And let's be honest, no one wants to have everything be handed to them in these nitty gritty little details that are like, really? Are we actually talking about how to do this? Like, come on. But I think that especially if you're a type A, which, you know, that's me, um, it can be really hard to just let go and feel comfortable with whatever comes back. Right. You know, it's like, 
but I didn't have to do it. So it's not yeah. my, like, <laughs> I don't need to provide the feedback. Yeah, I agree with that. And what advice would you give to an aspiring author? So there's a few things that I would say. So I'm going to give three. So the first is when it comes time for you to think about what is it that people approach you for, that can be a huge hint as to what it is that you should be writing. And it might not be related to what you do or um, the industry that you're in. You know, maybe it's that you're incredibly good at building relationships. And that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what it is that you do. But that could be a hint at like, this is something you do really well. So that's the first. The second is when you go to write, a lot of times people say, but I don't know what to write about. And so I got really good advice. I, I did a few strategy sessions with a business coach. I didn't need the, the handholding that goes behind the coaching. I know a lot of people do, and it can really help them stay on track. But I, I wanted a little bit of strategic guidance at the beginning. And I had this very detailed outline and, you know, I kept revising my outline and revising my outline. And he said, um, the first time we met, he's like, that's great. I'm really excited for you. I don't actually want to see the outline. So here's what I want you to do instead, which I'm like, but, I, <laughs> but I've got this amazing outline. And he's like, no, um, he had me do what's called a mind map. Are you familiar with this? Yeah. Okay. So the whole idea of the mind map is it's a visual version of all of the stuff that you want to talk about, right? Or I guess in this case, write about. And, and there's kind of a central idea. And then there's like little extensions all around. And what essentially happens is all of those little extensions help you see like, what are the chapters of the book or what are the sections of your book? And so that was incredibly helpful for me to kind of organize what it is that I wanted to talk about into these different packets. And it also gave me the ability to understand like how much more could I go out on this topic? Okay. You know, because some of my chapters are short and then there are others that are more robust and that's absolutely okay. You know, like every chapter doesn't have to be exactly 12 pages. Like, you know, and, and then the, the next part of what he said to me was, because I'm like, okay, well, how do I know and this and that? And he said, you need to just start writing the book, okay. right? Because so often we wanna make sure that we have exactly the right out amount of information, exactly all of the right stuff. And we literally just, we need to just write. Like you've gotta let the creative process happen. You can't organize it into happening, you know? And especially if you're not a writer for a living, which so many people are not, you get in your own way and, and you just keep waiting. Oh, well, well, once I have, once I've done, and it's like, just start writing, you know, because you can, you can, if, and especially because you've got this mind map, you can kind of decide what you want to write. And then at the end, you can move things around. Yeah. Right. You got something and, to work with. Yeah. And, and it doesn't have to be in order, right? Like, it's like, oh, well, I said I was going to do this and then do that. And it's like, okay, who cares? I mean, that's the beauty of having an online, you know, platform or not platform, but tool. So you can literally move things around. And that's kind of my segue into the final tip, which is, um, so a lot of times people use beta readers after 
the book has gone to the editor. Okay, that's pretty standard. I actually engaged beta readers before the book went to the editor. Um, and the reason why I did that is I wanted to know, did I have the right amount of information and had I forgotten anything? And the beta readers really helped me see, okay, yeah, this doesn't belong in this book. I'm gonna just pull it out completely. This, I need to add a little bit more information on. This, I've got cut. Like I, I go on for too long. And had I done that after going to an editor, it would have been grammatically perfect, but I would have had to send it to the editor again. Yes. You know, and so for me, it cut time. Um, now I will say I am, you know, I am an entrepreneur, but I happen to work in an industry as a, as a marketing professional where I've actually had to do a lot of writing. And so I am a strong writer. Um, so that might not work for everyone, but I did tell my beta readers, this is not the final draft. It has not gone to the editor. This is the, the best self-editing version that I can give you. If there are glaring grammatical errors that you're like, I can't even understand what this paragraph is about because the grammar is terrible. <laughs> I said, I need you to like flag it, like highlight it. Um, but otherwise don't worry about the commas or the, this should be an exclamation point or, you know, like, that is not your job as a beta reader. These are the things that I want you to cover. And that made a huge difference in my books. I mean, like I reflowed things, you know, I, um, I didn't have, you know, some authors treat their books as like, I think the term is like your little darling and you don't want to do anything to it. And it's like, Nope. I mean, if I needed to cut, I needed to cut. If I needed to add, I needed to add because these are people who would have been my readers. Yeah. Right. So like, I didn't look at it as like, this is perfection. And <laughs> that's my little baby and I can't touch it. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely didn't look at it that way. I was like, how can you help me make this better? You know, it's really good that you set expectations for your better readers. That's what I do with yeah. mine too. I tell them exactly what I'm expecting from them, what I yeah. want them to notice. And so that way you are sure that you are going to get back what you need and also that they're not wasting their time. Like they want to help you. So like if they want to help you in the best way possible, they need to know like what, what you need them for. So that was really good. And I just yeah. want to go back to the point where you said like mind mapping, you had an outline, a written outline, and then you transform that into a mind map. But how did that make a difference? Because you already had kind of an idea of your chapters. So I just want to make sure like how those two different processes made a difference. So I have to be really honest. I totally scrapped the outline. Okay. Like literally I went back like fresh eyes, like cleared my brain and redid the mind map. And granted, I would not have done this without the suggestion from that, um, that book coach, because the problem was I was so structured in what I thought I was going to write that I was not allowing one, like, you know, your ideas percolate, right? Like, like there's not, um, words don't just come out on the page. Like your brain is kind of thinking them over even when you're not consciously writing. And so I was so set on what was on this page that I didn't let my brain 
just, you know, let it flow. Like it was, which I noticed some people who are um, more logical thinkers, they're like, what are you talking about? But let's be honest, writing a book is a creative process, right? And so that mind map really helped me understand without thinking about like the research that I've done, but just literally like I, I've been living this, this for years, right? Because I'd done all of these interviews and I had done analysis of what I saw in, in the interviews. And it's like, what are the topics that naturally kind of float to the top? And that is what ended up on the page, right? Like that is, as I, as I sat there and thought about the conversations that I'd had and the information that I got, instead of trying to like analyze it to death, there, there were naturally things that, that, that just popped, right? And so that is what ended up in the book okay. versus what I thought I wanted to write, yeah. which I have to be very honest, like looking back, it probably would have been a pretty dry book. <laughs> very you know, logical, like, reasonable, yeah. and to the point. And I'm wondering, did you do your outline on a computer and your mind map on, with a pen and paper? Um, I did <laughs> because that's so different. Like you connect, like to me, being creative with a pen and paper is so different from just typing on a computer. So I think you know, there I, might be something about that also in your process that just it's just freeing to just draw circles and just kind of scribble. Yeah. And, so maybe that. I was mean, there's there's no question. I mean, even to this day, after writing two books, right? I still don't consider myself a creative person, even though people are like, you wrote two books. How do you not put yourself in the creative bucket? And that's because my, um, my, my point of reference is probably a little skewed because I look at the people in the marketing industry who literally write and create ads and, you know, create the images and, and, write all the copy that you see in a magazine ad or in a radio ad, you know, they write that. And, and it, to me, that is creative, right? Like, like that's literally just how they like wake up in the morning. I have to be very intentional with my writing, mm -hmm. but there is something to taking in your surroundings and just letting the ideas flow, you know, without thinking like, what is the purpose of this? Because there is that, that side of it. And when it comes to a book, you do have to be intentional, but you also do have to let the creative process happen. Because if you don't and you get in your way, and, and honestly, I can't even remotely put myself in the shoes of somebody who writes a fiction book, because then you have to think about like, how does this character develop over time? And, and what is the transformation that they're going to go through? And how are they gonna interact with other characters? Like, like that, I look at just, I'm in awe because that is definitely not how my brain works. Like I am a, I am a nonfiction writer and I, and I absolutely recognize that I am a nonfiction writer. Um, but I do think that so many of us have this creative um, side if we just kind of remove the, the boundary, right? Like remove that, like, I have to be totally logical with how I do this. It's like, yeah. Just trust the process let and let yeah. it go a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but I will look. say, it, it, I mean, I would not have done that without somebody else nudging me to do that, that 
creative way of approaching it. That never would have been how I, how I approached writing. Yeah. Right. So I, I think that oftentimes we need that nudge, um, you know, whether it's someone who, you know, or a coach or, um, or a, a book strategist or, or this podcast. Yeah. Well, and I was about to say <laughs> having this podcast is just this great, you know, there's so many authors who have come on here and who have given really good meaty ideas. And so like, take these ideas seriously. Like as you're reading them, binge this before you write your book, because you're going to get so many ideas and some will absolutely work. And then others you'll be like, nope. And that's okay. Because then you'll hear something else later on in a podcast that you're like, oh, I'm going to write that down. You know, like I'm a big believer of trying things and seeing if it works for you. And it might work for a 20 year old you and not work for your 30 year old you. So you need to evolve and always keep trying new things. So I'm a big believer of that. And I feel like we can learn to be more creative. Like you have a new tool right now that you can use to be more creative thanks to that uh, coach that you hired. So I do believe that we get to work on different skills and learn new things. So that's good that you shared that. And I also would like to know from your experience, what was the hardest thing about becoming a self-published author? You know, I was so overwhelmed by getting all of the details together and like doing all of the steps. And so technically I own all my content. I did outsource um, the, you know, flowing it into the, um, the right, uh, the right format. Um, You know, I outsourced the person who designed the cover. Like I outsourced a lot of different things. So I didn't do the kind of the, the A to Z of, of doing the book. And technically, I did publish under a um, under an indie publisher, but I own all of the rights. Okay, so, like so a it's a hybrid this, publisher. Yeah, it's this weird place in between, which um, definitely sometimes people get caught up on because they're like, well, we need permission from the publisher. And it's like, no, because I own all the rights. So I am giving you permission. And then I just have to have that confirmation email from the publisher. Um, but, but there are so many steps. And so I, I literally just couldn't handle it. Like I had too many other things on my plate because I still had clients in my marketing business and I still have clients, right? Like I, I operate two separate businesses. So I think that's the reminder as well of you don't have to figure out every single piece of this. You absolutely can outsource pieces and still be a self-published author. You know, like I didn't edit my, I mean, I edited edited, edited to a point, and then I handed it off to an editor, right? Like all of you, you can bring in as many resources as you can find and afford. Um, And so don't feel like, well, I'm self-publishing. So I have to figure out every single part of this. Um, Because there are a lot of steps. (laughs) Yeah, there are. And what um, has been the best way for you to get sales? How do you promote your book? Have you noticed like some particular way that's really bringing in the sales? So there are three things that have really helped. Um, So the first is to be quite blunt, podcasts. There's always a little lift 
in my sales um, when podcasts go live. Mm -hmm. um, definitely when I do training. So when I go and do either webinars or in-person workshops, I've just started doing in-person workshops again, which is like, your people. <laughs> um, so there's definitely a lift when that happens, um, even if they have paid for copies of the book. So they might tell a friend um, or they might get extra copies or, you know, or, or they might buy them for gifts or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and then the final one is no question about it, Amazon ads. Okay. So, so I, I mean, I definitely have, you know, different platforms. It, I guess there's also a fourth one and that is being featured in um, publications. So I have been very intentional with, um, with reaching out to other authors to, um, to appear, not authors, but writers. So not necessarily somebody who's written a book, but people who specialize in content that covers some element of what it is that I talk about. Um, so my, so I'm quoted in their work in a, you know, in a magazine or on the, the digital version of a publication. And that definitely gives me a lift. Um, because, you know, you can't, um, it's really hard to have everyone come to your platform, like to come to your website if they don't know you exist. Yeah. Right. And so you have to go and, and find these people. You've got to, you've got to bring them to what it is that you're creating. So, you know, social media makes that really easy, but you have to kind of decide like, where do your people live? You know, where do they spend their time? And then how can you interact with them in a meaningful way? But a lot of times there's a lot of, there are a lot of people who are doing that same thing. And even if they're not doing it as an author, they might be doing it um, to sell their products or to um, to sell a service. You know, like there's just there's so much white noise on social media. So you kind of have to figure out like what are the things that really do help you and spend more time doing those things yes. versus, oh, well, everybody does this. So I have to do that, too. And it's like maybe that doesn't work. Um, so you got to save your time and energy. Like your uh, most important yeah. resources. I really like how like you took like the four things that you brought up. And what would you say um, people need to do to be featured on magazines? This is more for nonfiction, but how do you get people interested in your quotes and what you have to share in your research? So there are almost every writer is on Twitter. Okay. Almost every writer that you can imagine is on Twitter. Um, many are also on Instagram. So one is being able to follow them and share what it is that they do. When they put something out, you comment back. When, and when you go to, to retweet, um, sharing your perspective instead of just simply retweet, right? Okay. So it's like, you know, I really appreciated these two topics that, um, you know, that Jane Jones mentions in her latest article in Real Simple. Um, so, so you create, you provide your insights on top of that. And anytime you do that, um, the person gets notified of what you have done, right? So it's not like it just goes in into the world and that's it. Like they, they clearly see it. And so you can do that and you can engage with the content that they have. 
Um, I will say that a really good way to engage that way as well is through Twitter chats or through Twitter spaces. So I don't know what Twitter, Twitter spaces are. Um, so it's it's essentially like a um, uh, like a chat room, but it's with um, voice. Okay. Right, and so most things on Twitter are are written. You've got your 280 characters, um, which makes for really great conversation. But now there is this ability to um, to have a, a live conversation based on certain topics, and it, it's essentially their version of Clubhouse. Yeah, that's right? what I was thinking about. <laughs> yeah, but if you're already on Twitter, why join another platform where you don't really know if you're going to find what it is that you need or have access to the people that you need access to when you can start to develop that relationship over time and then just simply use another version or another tool within the Twitter toolkit. And I think people forget how important Twitter can be because it is so conversational. Um, you can essentially do the same thing on, and I will also add on Twitter, especially oftentimes authors, uh, writers will, and some authors too, will do a call out and it'll be like journal requests, like hashtag journal request. Um, or they will, um, they'll, they'll post something and they don't necessarily use the hashtag for you to, um, to respond back. And you, so that way they're literally asking, like they're saying like, yeah. send me your pitch, send me your idea. Yeah. And you have to be strategic. Um, you know, I always include a, why does my, why include my thoughts element, um, which can take a second, second part of that, or it can take a, um, a direct message, but it's this idea of, of there's another piece. And then the other tool, which is a really great tool, and there's there's certainly more than just this one, is Harrow, um, which stands for Help a Reporter Out. Are you familiar with this tool? I okay. tried it, but I got so many random things that I just gave up. Like every day, like this email going through it, and I'm like, oh, I can't contribute to that. So I just gave so, up. Yeah, so it, it, it definitely takes time, right? But I will say that I kind of scan. So you, you are able to include the topics that you're interested in. So, um, you know, so like technology is a, is a bucket versus like lifestyle is a bucket bucket. Um, and so like, I generally don't do things related to technology, but I do related to business or lifestyle. Right. And so it's finding those nuggets and some of it is also having canned responses, right? So that whole element of um, why I include my thoughts, I always include that on my responses, Okay. right? And, and that essentially is the why should you pay attention to mine versus the hundred other responses that you just got. So it's pretty much like your expertise, you, you being yeah. an author and stuff like that. Well, and, you know, most of the time authors don't just simply say, I'm going to write a book. And they don't do any research, regardless of whether it's for fiction or nonfiction, um, because sometimes those requests are for new books that are like must reads for the summer. That's not necessarily going to be a nonfiction book, you know, like you want your beach read, whether that's a, a you know, a thriller or a romance or, you know, so I think that it, it really kind of depends but you can scan through the requests. I mean, it, it, they come out three times a day. So you definitely have to pay attention. 
but you can scan for, you know, like maybe I want to be uh, to focus on articles related to productivity. Well, I can literally at the top of the email, you can do control F, which is for find, and you can look up, is there anything related to productivity, right? And there's not, okay, well, let me just delete the email. So you can make that a more efficient process, but it definitely takes time. But the truth is almost anything where you're trying to appear in any kind of publication, you have to develop those relationships and you have to take the time, right? Like it almost never happens just because. Yeah. So you know? it's two really important things that you said, like going on Twitter and knowing who you want to follow, like who talks about your topics and then following them and in, in, interacting with them. So that's really good. So they know you and they'll be like, oh, okay, I, I know her. Yeah, she's sending me something. I want to use it and then help a reporter out if you guys want to check it out. And that was so good. And do you um, have a writing project right now? Are you working on something else? So I am definitely um, thinking through a few things related to mom empowerment. And I'm, I'm not exactly changing gears, but I am amplifying what it is that, that my brand does. But there are two more books that I think I have in me. So I'm going to start working on one or maybe both. Um, so I am looking at creating more of the corporate version of what it is that I have, have created over time, because these are more for working mothers and to some extent working dads. Um, and then I am looking at really changing what it is that I do Um, as it relates specifically to working dads. And so, um, so that is going to be more of a, of a um, collaborating and curating and less of me actually writing. Okay. So that, that, that should be interesting <laughs> because it will definitely be a different approach. Um, but yeah, I've got, I've probably got at least two more books. So, um, so slowly, I think I'm ready to start making that happen again. Good. Two books in two years was really hard. It took, it, it's taken me a while to recover. <laughs> <laughs> so you're taking a, a short break from that, but yes, yes. Most of the time from my part, like books keep nagging me to write them. So yes. I just have to get them out of my brain and keep writing. <laughs> it is. I mean, and, and I will say I do have, I, I write a weekly blog um, and I'm starting to pitch more stories. So actually like, I am the person who features other, other quotes, you know, okay. but, um, but pitching is, um, is very different than writing a book. And so um, there is definitely more, uh, more rejection. <laughs> you know, every pitch you send out there doesn't get a, yeah, I'd love for you to be in my publication. Right. So, um, so I'm, I'm not like, here are my 20 pitches a week. Like, There are some writers who are really good about that. And I'm, that's not me. And that's okay. There's a, <laughs> there's space for every one of us. Yes. If people want to know more about your books, about you, where can they connect with you? So the best resource for everything is the website, which is mompowerment.com. Um, I am active on Twitter and my handle is mompowerment. And then I'm trying to be a little more active on um, Instagram. So, and again, my handle is mom empowerment. So, um, so you can find me there and 
as I said, I write a weekly blog and there's lots of information there on like time management and finding more time and space in your life to do the things that you're super passionate about, like writing a book. Yeah. Um, so there, there is lots of active content that happens on the website. And then I kind of trickle it out into other places. Okay, perfect. I'll make sure to share those links in the show notes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I hope there are some good nuggets that people are like, oh, and I can do that and I can do this. I'm so. sure. I'm sure because I had like some aha moments. So I'm sure our listeners <laughs> will have them too. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you loved what you heard, be sure to share it with me by leaving me a review. If you are ready to publish your book, let me take your hand in my course, How to Self-Publish on Amazon. I will show you every step you need to take to successfully go through the publishing process on the platform. Keep on writing, 